Blog Talk Radio. And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you.
Good evening. You're listening to the KRP Radio Show. That's Keeping It Real with Pudgy Miller. I'm your guest host, Rocco P. Excuse me. K-I-R-P Radio! Tonight, we will be discussing the impeachment, if it is an impeachment, if those articles are never delivered to the U.S. Senate. If you want to chime in, I will get you on the air, 619-638-8559, 619-638-8559. There's a lot to cover in this story, so let's uh, let's dive in. Rob Nadelson uh, is a senior fellow in constitutional jurisprudence at the Independence Institute in Denver. He's also a constitutional historian and a former constitutional law professor. He wrote a book called The Original Constitution, What Actually Said and Met. That's one of many books I own that I have not read cover to cover. Uh, Nielsen wrote a brief piece uh, about the impeachment and just basically you know, what, what was left out when the four experts testified before the, uh, the House. Pretty much that, that was the essence of his piece. He said, this short essay does what the House Judiciary Committee's panel of expert witnesses didn't successfully do. First, it explains the meaning of the Constitution's high crimes and misdemeanor standards. Next, it discusses how the standard applies to President Donald Trump's interactions with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. Finally, it details the kind of evidence the House Judiciary Committee should gather to determine whether the President committed an impeachable offense. Many phrases in the Constitution, such as necessary and proper, privileges and immunities, and convention for proposing amendments, carry specialized 18th century meanings not obvious to the modern, modern reader. Recall that most of the leading founding fathers were lawyers, and the Constitution is a legal document. Some of these phrases derive from 18th century law. Therefore, to understand them, you have to consult 18th 18th century legal materials in addition to better known sources such as the 1787 convention debates or the Federalist Papers. Unfortunately, most of the scholars called by the House Judiciary Committee to address the meaning of high crimes and misdemeanors were not able to do so accurately. According to the authoritative Westlaw database, two of the three Democratic appointed witnesses have published no scholarly work on impeachment. Their specialties are in other areas. None showed any familiarity with 18th century fiduciary standards, which, as explained below, are part of the law of impeachment. All the witnesses voted against Trump and several have been involved in anti-Trump activity. Therefore, it's not surprising that except for Professor Jonathan Turley's heavily footnoted 53-page written statement, the testimony was biased and superficial. What is the standard? Impeachment law isn't for amateurs. It rests on English English parliamentary history extending at least as far back as 1300s. Furthermore, impeachment standards evolved over time. To understand the Constitution rules, we must know what the standards were when the Constitution was adopted. We can do so by consulting 18th century parliamentary records and legal materials. Here here are some of what they tell us. The term high crimes means approximately felonies. The phrase high misdemeanors refers to what the founding generation called breach of trust and what modern lawyers call breach of fiduciary duty. Fiduciary duties are the legal obligations imposed upon those who manage the affairs of other people, bankers, corporate executors, accountants, guardians, and so forth. 
in broad outline fiduciary law when the Constitution was adopted was similar to what it is today. House Democrats have struggled to define Trump's alleged offense. Again, what, what, what are the crimes? What's, what's the specific high crimes or misdemeanors? Initially, they described it as quid pro quo. We'll talk about that later. Uh, in other words, an exchange, an exchange took place. Then they employed the term bribery. The legally correct designation is self-dealing. Self-dealing. Self-dealing is betraying your employer's interest to enrich yourself. It's a violation of the fiduciary duty of loyalty. We can assume the president might benefit from a Ukrainian investigation, but that doesn't mean asking for an investigation with self-dealing as defined by fiduciary and therefore by impeachment law. There's nothing unusual or improper about a president asking a recipient of U.S. foreign aid to address corruption. And others uh, such as uh, uh, the uh, foundation, uh, the, uh, I forget the name of the libertarian uh, think tank, Think of Future Freedom Foundation. Uh, good piece was written on that. Basically, said all U.S. foreign aid is essentially contingent upon uh, the recipients doing something. Though in this case, you could say it'd be benefiting Trump potentially, benefiting him personally, as opposed to the whole nation. Though you could argue that if any corruption was uncovered, it would benefit the whole nation, not just not just Trump's potential reelection bid. In any case. There's nothing unusual or improper about a president asking a recipient of U.S. foreign aid to address corruption, getting back to Nielsen's piece. As for seeking political advantage, if we punish every politician who did that, they would all be swinging. Similarly, to decide whether Trump engaged in impermissible self-dealing, we need testimony about how other officials conduct themselves. We know, for example, that then-Vice President Biden explicitly made aid to Ukraine conditional of firing a Ukrainian prosecutor. Now, Nadalin says if that conduct wasn't impeachable, I don't believe it was. I believe it was. We'll look at that later. A three-month uh, – the other thing that's amazing about this is that uh, when you talk about D.C. politics, and I've said this before in the show, it's largely, uh, it's largely smoke and mirrors. It's a, lot of, it's, a lot of, uh, it's a lot of acting, really. It's a lot of acting. Let's see. We have a caller here. Hey, good evening. You're on the show. May I have your first name and what state you're in? Hey, this is Pianchi. How you doing? <clears throat> good, good. I'm not talking to you before. From? Midwest. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. No, yeah I've how's, talked... you, how's it going? It's been a while. Yeah. Well, I guess we're talking about on the impeachment. Technically. Absolutely. If, if I knock on your door and you open <laughs> the door, I say, this is a warrant for you to appear in court tomorrow morning. And I turn around and walk off. You close the door, go sit down at the table, open up the paper, and it's blank on both sides. Is that a warrant? I would probably say no. Yeah. So have, have anybody seen these articles? How do we know anything on them? And she have gave them to the Senate. Another thing I want Not to yet. say. Go ahead. They've been talking about impeaching Donald Trump even before he was elected in 2016. Yep, yep, yep. And also after he was inaugurated. And it ran the gamut from Russia collusion with Mueller report, Stormy Daniels, Golden Showers, and so on and so on and so on. All right. Even in 2018, you had a congressperson in Michigan, John Conyers' old regime spot, 
to lead. When she was elected, she's reported as saying in front of her kids, we're going to impeach this MF now, don't you know? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, okay. Video. Yeah. yeah. Now, here's the thing. What was they going to impeach him on? Why is it that now one of the article has to do with the Ukraine, something that occurred in July of 2019? Well, if that's the case, where are the things that they were going to impeach him on before he was even elected? Yes. Well, you make a good point. I mean, you, you, you kind of see where I'm going to go, where I'm going to eventually go to show that it is blatantly political. It, it's blatantly You're political. Right. In other words, you can say anything is anything is political, but this is the deal. It, it's kind of what happened with Clinton, the same the same level, because then the Republicans controlled the House, the Democrats controlled the Senate. Clinton was, you know, less of a showman than Trump, but he was intoxicated. He knew. The Senate was going to do anything. The only difference, of course, is that you know Bill Clinton did lie under oath, so that was more serious. But you're right. I mean, at this point, we haven't seen them. They haven't delivered them, and that's also you get into another area that's completely hilarious. So now the House is trying to manipulate the process by saying, well, we don't want to deliver unless we know how the Senate's going to do. It's like, okay, you're not in the Senate, so your job is to deliver the articles. Where do you get the idea that you want to decide you're not going to deliver them? Unless you know what the, how the Senate is going to you know to view them, and there's obviously there's a lot of things that could happen. I think the two things is they could quickly dismiss them, or they could have a trial and then obviously you know humiliate Biden and the son. I think you know Biden's probably not going to get the nomination anyhow. But the point is, obviously, if the Republicans controlling the Senate want to have a trial, it would be hilarious. It's all theater, though. I mean, they knew this. The Democrats yes, knew this theater. from day one. They knew it from day one. Knew from day one. I don't trust Roberts preceding presiding over that need. I really don't trust him after Obamacare with his famous butt. Well, of know. course, it's all yeah. fake. It's all fake, though. In other words, they knew this. They knew this. This was all scripted, just like a reality TV show. And it's like what Paul Manafort said about pres- about Trump when he was running. He says running for the president is the ultimate reality show for him. This is all, yeah. This is all fake. They knew it from day one. You know what Trump said last yeah. week? That really put no. a lug in it. He said he's going to open up mining industry here in the United States. And what area did he put emphasis on? Come on, you heard him. What no, minerals? No, I didn't. I honestly, he I didn't, said I didn't uranium. <laughs> All right. So what Who's is what is wrong from that? Wait a minute. Was not Hillary working with a Russian outfit on getting them permits to mine uranium in the United States? Do you remember that? What is it called? Uranium One or something like that? Here's the question. There's so, there's so much criminality. There's so much criminality that Clintons are inv- that were involved in. I, I can't. I can't remember all of it. How is it that a Russian company can come from Russia all the way over to the United States? and can efficiently, economically mine uranium, whereas United States companies can't do it. Until, probably, Trump lifted these regulations. Was she going to make sure that they didn't have to abide by the regulations? Yeah, it's one of those things we'll, we'll never know. I mean, with Hillary, to me, the most amazing thing, again, getting seeing how the whole two party system is Basically, as Gerald Salenti would say, it's uh, politics is acting for ugly people. Though I could say, yeah, Trump obviously isn't as ugly as, as Hillary. Uh, but 
the whole thing is fake. Think about the emails. People have gone to jail for like one one photo and one email, in which there's thousands, and nothing happens. There's something going <laughs> on here, man. It's, 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 it's mind it's mind blowing. Hey, and you know they start in, in, in bar and DOJ is going to start criminal investigations here. Uh, I think they are now. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to. You don't think so? Trust me. No, well, we have to see. No. But you but know they, one they thing too, and this is kind of low-level people. But go ahead. Yeah, this is kind of off topic. You know, on the issue of illegals voting, people, how they don't vote. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to Google uh, undocumented. You know, they call them undocumented because the word illegal alien just has so much stigma to it. <laughs> undocumented fulfill their dream in America. With I-10. I-T-I-N. That means Individual Tax Identification Number. It's the number that people who can't, immigrants who can't get a Social Security number because they're not U.S. citizens or they're not here legally, (laughs) they get that number so the IRS can, can keep track of their income. Well, two things there. One, they're not supposed to be working anyway if they are not documented or they're nope. illegal. Nope. But guess yep. what else they can get with that? They are getting home mortgages. And we're talking about in the billions of home mortgages. I want you to look that up. Now, now think about this. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, because no, no one knows when I've looked at the illegal immigration, they throw out the number mm-hmm. of 12 to 14 million. I, I, it could easily be it could easily be up to forty million. It's well over twenty million, certainly. Hang on, it's getting ready to get good. Mm-hmm. Now you know yourself. You probably bought a home and you closed at the realtor's office. You signed your document. They gave you your copies. It showed that you lived at that address. You can take those documents to the election board and register to vote. They show you live at that address. Really? Absolutely. Yes, Every it state. shows that you live Every there. State, yeah. 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 Well, this is, One this, bank. This is what they want. I mean, this is what they wanted. I mean, years ago in California, that's what the they doing. Was less corrupt. Yeah, of course. It's part. It's part of the system. It's part of North American Union. And yeah, they want to bring the U.S. down to the level of Mexico, not raise Mexico to the level of the states. But years ago, you probably know, California voters weren't as corrupt, and they were outraged that they were going to try and make. Give illegal aliens licenses, and now I believe they can drive. Oh, to that comes they next. That comes next. Yeah, they tried to Once do. Once you it, get those documents, you go get your license. Yep, they tried to. They tried to do it in, in, in North Carolina. You had a guy, a Republican, Skip Stam, who's the number two person in the House, you speak of pro tem, uh, has a reputation as being conservative, total fraud, and he wanted to give them. Uh, he didn't call them licenses, but permits to drive. And he goes, "Oh well, certain sheriffs have have suggested this." So it's like, okay. You're gonna openly admit they shouldn't be here, and then you're gonna you're gonna facilitate them driving the state of North Carolina. Oh, look at New York, what they're doing. But anyway, I want to uh, hit you up on that, and uh, you're one of the smarter hosts I have opportunity to talk to. Some of these people totally. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Check out my piece. But anyway, go ahead with your show. Well, yeah. check out my piece on illegal immigration, paradishift.net, P-A-R-A-D-shift.net, and I just showed how all they have to do 
is that they know through well, you know, through wire transfers to Western Union, they can stop it with no police state action, but they don't want to do it. So oh, you know what else he could do? He could put a surtax on those wire transfers back to where said, they come from. You stole my phone. I said the same thing. I said that's the way to peacefully mm-hmm. do it. In other words, they know through Western Union and the other wire transfer funds, they could just say, okay, you need to show a, a valid passport or a green card or the equivalent. If not, then you just say, okay, if you could do it, but then you just – there's just an 80 or 90% surcharge. Everyone would peacefully self-deport, but they don't want yeah, to. There you go. All right, man. Look, you have a pleasant holiday season. I'll talk to you later. You you too. Happy New Year. Thanks, Colin. All right. Bye-bye. To show, to show how D.C. is largely theater, consider this. If the Democrats in the House and the other vote was long party lines, yeah, Justin Amash, who on principle voted for impeachment. He's independent. He left the Republican Party. People say he may not run again. But in any case, uh, if the Democrats controlling the House, if all of them that voted, over 200, they really believe that Trump uh, is unfit for to hold office and president. Do you realize that they, re- they, they reauthorized the Patriot Act? I'm going to read a piece from uh, RT.com. Okay, it's Russia Today. And uh, facts are facts. Even when Russia Today reports it, and a lot of the stuff they report is true that is uh, ignored by the so-called mainstream or legacy media. A three-month reauthorization of the Notorious Patriot Act was shoehorned into a last-minute continuing resolution funding the U.S. government bundling measures needed to revert yet another government shutdown with a continuation of the wildly intrusive surveillance powers passed after the 9-11 terror attacks. It's 18 years. Democrats voted almost unanimously for it, getting the far-reaching surveillance, giving, granting the far-reaching surveillance capabilities to the very same president they're trying to impeach. A roll call vote on the bill was split exactly along party lines with all 230 Democrats standing up for unconstitutional mass surveillance, including so-called progressives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC from New York, and Ilan Omar from Minnesota, who spoke out against it earlier. Two other Democrats voted not to vote, opted not to vote, but not a single representative dared oppose the Democratic Party groupthink. Not only did Democrats unanimously stand for the bill, they, they backed a waiver of a rule that would have at least allowed members of Congress to read it. Thomas Massey, probably the most honest and constitutional person we have in uh, the District of Criminals. Thomas Massey wrote, 230 members from Kentucky, 230 members of the Congress just voted to waive the rule that gives us 72 hours to read the continuing resolution. The reason we have these continuing resolutions, if you don't know, is because Congress is so inept and irresponsible and corrupt, they can't can't pass a real budget. Hasn't done it, I don't know how many years. Massey goes on this tweet, why is that significant? This continuing resolution contains a last minute unrelated provision to extend the Patriot Act. It's not just domestic surveillance that has driven Democrats and Republicans together. Despite the contrarian stance of the squad and other outspoken resistors against Trump, House Democrats have largely gone along with Republicans in giving the president all the money he wants to wage war. 
after 16 Democrats voted against the near-record defense budget, it's not defense, it's war, in July, a bloated $1.48 trillion over two years that dwarfs U.S. defense spending at the height of the wars in Korea and Vietnam and gives the Pentagon more money than the rest of the government combined. Let that sink in. Let that sink in. Just 16 Democrats voted against the near-record defense budget, which is the war budget, in July, a bloated $1.48 trillion over two years that dwarfs U.S. defense spending at the height of the wars in Korea and Vietnam and gives the Pentagon more money than the rest of the government combined. So when I talk about the two-party system, you see how certain things never change, and one is the expansion of the warfare state. Nor's Tuesday's vote, getting back to the rest of today's piece, Nor's Tuesday's vote, the first time Democrats have voted with or to the right of their colleagues across the aisle to back domestic surveillance programs, despite casually comparing Trump to Adolf Hitler and other fascist boogeymen. Why do they do that? Because it's all a show. Even the creators of the, of the Patriot Act didn't expect the post-9-11 police state to last forever and included a sunset provision that would have allowed the bill to expire. Now, that was thrown in. That was then uh, Senator, uh, I mean, Congressman Bob Barr from Georgia threw that in, and uh, that's why he voted for it. And then he said, in retrospect, he shouldn't have voted for Ron Paul. And very simply stating, I'm not going to vote for something I can't read, because I threw it down. It was written by John Yu, Vietnamese, a uh, guy from Vietnamese background. Uh, it was written by John Yu under the Bush administration, W's administration. They threw it down because it all prepared, just like the Palmer, Palmer, DHS, Palmer Homeland Security. That was all created. And after 9-11 happened, they just rolled it out. It was all pre-planned. Uh, so that is true. There was a sunset provision, but they continued to they continued to renew it. With impeachment in full swing, full swing, mainstream media carefully avoided using the phrase Patriot Act in the coverage of the vote, aware that the measure that allowed the government to treat assistance like terrorists doesn't have many fans. Yes, it's Patriot Act uh, considers you as a U.S. citizen, you're guilty into a proven innocent, and to show that impeachment, once again, is complete and total fraud and more of district of criminal theater. Why, if the Democrats really believe Trump is not suited to be president, why would you give him those powers? Pass, pass the filthy resolution, the filthy continuing resolution, continuing resolution to fund the fake government, to fund the illegitimate government, but don't, go, don't give them that powers. But then it goes back to the war spending again. Why would you vote to give the Pentagon more money than the rest of the government involved, the rest of the government combined? Because it's all fake. It's all fake. That's why they do it. It's all theater. And, you know, there's more facts beyond that. Interesting, uh, here's an interesting piece uh, from uh, Joaquin Flores. This was at Strategic Culture. Didn't agree with all of it, but had, had a few good points. Uh, Joaquin Flores was educated at California State University at L.A., had an interesting background, and uh, he, he wrote, Unfortunately, not needless to say, the entirety of the direct fiscal evidence against Trump solely consists of the now infamous transcript of the phone call, which he had with Ukrainian President Zelensky. Trump had released that early on. The rest is hearsay a conspiracy of narrative, and entirely circumstantial. As this author has noted in numerous pieces, Biden's entire candidacy rests precisely upon his need to be a candidate 
so that any normal investigation into the wrongdoings of himself or his son in Ukraine suddenly become the target persecution of political opponent of Trump. Why, why do I also say it's more DC theater? Okay, this is this is all uh, this is all designed like everything else that comes out to divide and distract. Okay, here we go. CNBC. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. This is on December 20th, a few days ago. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi on Friday invited President Donald Trump to deliver a State of the Union address on February 4th. Trump accepted Pelosi's invitation, a White House spokesman said later Friday. The invitation suggests that despite the bitter partisan divide over the impeachment process, Pelosi seeks to avoid repeating the, years, the prior year's political fight when the annual address was used in a game of political tug-of-war amid a government's shutdown. Okay, that, that is all, that's all mind control there. This invitation suggests that despite the bitter partisan divide over the picture part, think about how insane this is. If you're Pelosi, and that means you would be, uh, just like most vast majority of people in Congress, that means you'd be a wicked, filthy, lying, uh, corrupt person. But you're, you're Nancy Pelosi, and you allegedly, altruistically, sincerely, legitimately, truly believe that Donald J. Trump should be impeached. You should be removed from what you've impeached them. You should remove them from office. Why would you give them the opportunity to address the nation? Because it's fake. Uh, Pelosi quote was quoted in the CNBC piece. In the spirit of respecting our Constitution, I invite you to deliver your State of the Union address before a joint session of Congress on Tuesday, February 4, 2020, in the chamber of the U.S. House. Okay. In the spirit of respecting our Constitution. Okay. But if you believe Trump to violate his office of the Constitution, then why would you ask him to deliver that speech? Less than two days before Pelosi Center State of the Union invited the Democratic-led House vote to impeach Trump on articles of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress, as we told those two articles in his dealing with the Ukraine. Interesting, you look at the State of the Union, uh, so what's mentioned, Article 2, Section 3, says all presidents shall from time to time give to the Congress information of the State of the Union and recommend to the consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. Right. I like the Articles of Confederation much better. Uh, it preserved the authority of the states, and there was no president. Uh, there, really, there was no president. We had no dictator-in-chief. In any case, uh, Washington addressed Congress Jefferson put an end to it uh, because Jefferson felt delivering an address before Congress was too aristocratic and similar to practices and monarchies. This is from a Peace and Business Insider. So from Jefferson, there was no president that addressed Congress for over 100 years until Woodrow Wilson did. So it stopped in 1801, and then Woodrow Wilson brought it back after, you know, like what, 19, 19 around there, over 100 years. So the idea that the Constitution mandates an annual State of the Union address, uh, just not the case. The phrase State of the Union that was popularized by FDR, he had a big, big government Democrat. Uh, of course, he had Teddy Roosevelt, big government. Uh, his uh, his relative, uh, who was previously in the White House, he had a big government Republican. But FDR popularized that phrase. <coughs> State of the Union, and then, then Harry Truman officially named the speech a State of the Union address. And, of course, you know, that's post-World uh, War II. Now we're in the warfare. You know, we're in that welfare warfare mode in the U.S. 
So if the impeachment's real, and you're a Democrat, not just Nancy Pelosi, why do you invite President Trump if you believe he's right ladies of office to address Congress? Because it's all theater. Let's talk about the background of this. Let's talk about the background of the USA and the Ukraine. There's been a lot said about quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Going to get that quid pro quo. Something given or received for something else also. Or a deal arranging some, something to be given or received for something else also. Okay? You give me one thing, I get something else in exchange. Quid pro quo was a 14th century Latin term meaning something for something. So it's funny, it's not, instead of my line, it's not quid pro quid, but it's quid pro quo, something for something. It describes when two parties engage in a mutual agreement to exchange goods or services. In a quid pro quo agreement, one transfer is contingent upon a reciprocal transfer. In business and legal context, quid, po, quid, quid pro quo conveys that a good or service has been exchanged for something of equal value. The key to quid pro, quid pro quo business agreement is consideration, which may take the form of a good, service, money, or financial instrument. Such considerations equate to a contract in which something is provided and something of equal value is returned in exchange. Without such, such considerations, a court may find a contract to be invalid or non-binding. Okay? Invalid or non-binding. Okay, so we get back and mention... In past, when I was quoting that piece by uh, by Nielsen, as far as uh, what what did Trump do that was an impeachable offense? Okay, quoting Nielsen and Hunt, House Democrats have struggled to define Trump's alleged offense. Initially described as quid quid pro quo, then they employed the term bribery, and then Nielsen went on to talk about the legally correct designation would have been self-dealing when you when you benefit yourself at the expense of the government in a financial way when you benefit yourself. So you might be able to say, okay, it would be then if you if you politically would advance yourself at the expense of the government. Uh, so then that that is that's interesting too because you can say, okay, if a if a sitting president used foreign aid to advance his own political interest, would that be at the expense of the government? Now you say at the expense of of uh, a potential uh, potential candidate is running against, but not the government. But it wasn't quid pro quo. That's why they then started saying it was bribery, and it wasn't bribery. It wasn't charged with bribery. So it's very, very, very creative what's going on. But uh, what what Joe Biden did, it, this is fascinating. I said before, Nelson. Nelson didn't think because it's it's not a secret. I'm going to play a clip from Brian, from uh, Joe Biden when they admit he admit what's ha- he admit exactly what happened. When he was Obama's vice president, what he did essentially at the behest of Obama, and again, this was this is this was admitted. A uh, number of people have talked about this with Joe Biden, but I'll play I'll play and then we'll discuss it. One of those things is missing now, and that is I'm desperately concerned about the backsliding on the part of uh, uh, Kiev in terms of corruption. They made, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one concrete example. I, I, I was, not I, I, but it just happened to be that was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, 
Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to the press conference. Said, "Nah." I said, "I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said, call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. I think it was what six hours." I looked. I said, "Leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Yeah, what, what Joe Biden didn't mention when he talks about putting someone in place that was solid, uh, the person he got rid of was investigating his son, Hunter Biden. That's what Joe Biden, Joe, Joe Biden uh, failed to admit. But, yeah, that was said openly. So a billion dollars, you know, under Obama, Obama was under, it wasn't just Biden, was withheld from the Ukrainian government because they wanted to get a prosecutor fired. And they said, oh, they were fighting corruption. So, what is the how, how is this not corruption on the U.S. side? Particularly when you realize what Joe Biden's son was making. I'm going to quote a piece from PJ Media, written by someone named Mark, Mark Matt Margolis, September 24th of this year. Despite Biden's claims that everything was proper, we have video evidence of Joe Biden, which I just played bragging about his role in the firing of Ukraine Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin back in 2016. Shokin was investigating corruption at Burisma Holdings, a Ukrainian natural gas firm that Biden's son Hunter had a high-paying job at. Biden told Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko he would withhold a $1 billion loan unless Poroshenko fired Shokin. Okay. Now, I had played that clip, but think, think about... Think about this too. Uh, what? How did Hunter Biden get in this board of Ukrainian energy company Burisma? Okay. Now, this is a piece from Reuters. Reuters is legacy or mainstream media, I believe, it's French-based, but it's like Associated Press, uh, and that yeah, it's um, they have reporters, and then other companies will use their press releases and their own news reports that they could just use them verbatim or then they could adapt them. And you probably see that if you read news that says, you know, this is released. this is blah, blah, CBS with AP or Reuters or whatever. But the, uh, they did some investigations. This piece is dated October 18, 2019, to find out, okay, how can we ascertain, is, it, is there any public records that describe precisely what Hunter Biden was making, what type of money he was making. And again, as I've already said, it begs the question that how did Biden's son get this job, which is a you know, very, very interesting question, and that raises other related questions. How is he, how is he qualified? Okay. Specifically, the records show 18 months in which two payments of 83000 $333 per month were paid to Rosemont Seneca Bohai for consulting services. Consulting services. The two sources said that one of those monthly payments was intended for Biden. 
Hunter Biden, and one for Archer. Reuters was not able to independently verify the authenticity of the documents or how much money Hunter Biden received. Trump, uh, who's known to exaggerate at times, said it was 100000 But one of the sources said prosecutors obtained the payment records in the course of one of their investigations into Burisma related to activities at the company prior to Archer and Biden's appointments to the board. A Ukrainian lawmaker released copies of the records at a conference or news media last week. A lawyer for Archer didn't respond to requests for comment. So if those figures are legit, Hunter Biden was paid just over $1.58 million for 18 months of wherever he did that was somehow defined as work. Do you, do you hang with anyone or even know anyone who knows anyone who knows anyone that basically gets paid for honest work that would make one over $1.58 million for a year and a half of work. Kind of interesting. What was that consulting that Hunter Biden was involved in? And uh, if the Senate does want to get into more D.C. theater and they do have they do have a full trial, it would be extremely entertaining to see Hunter Biden answer those questions. Yes, it's the same Hunter Biden who followed an illegitimate child with a stripper. I'm glad he's still with his wife. I'm glad they worked it out. Uh, there's there's background here. Okay, we start talking about Joe Biden. We talked about Obama and uh, this one billion dollars that was withheld from uh, from Porchenko. Uh, do you realize that the U.S. government the U.S. government helped fund the color revolution, and they basically funded a coup d'état in, in Ukraine to overthrow a legitimate, democratically elected leader. You realize that. Okay. I'm going to play a clip from someone named Victoria Nuland. Under, under Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barry Satoro, he grew up, grew up in Indonesia most of his life. He's Barry Satoro. That was the name of uh, his stepfather who adopted him, and then he got reinvented later in life as Barack Hussein Obama. But... Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barishatoro, and his administration, Victoria Nuland, was the Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs. And she makes an admission in this speech about how much money the U.S. poured in. This goes back to the press club, December 13, 2013. This, goes, this reveals how much the U.S. paid through NGOs, non-government, allegedly non-governmental organizations, to undermine the legitimate democratically elected government in Ukraine and then replace it. It's it's it, it, it's amazing. Again, so I'm going to play part of this clip here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my great uh, honor and pleasure to introduce to you the Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs, Victoria Nuland. Uh, Victoria just uh, recently returned from Kiev and has an update on the situation there, as well as the U.S. government position. Victoria? Okay, so you hear who she is as she's formally introduced. Then, and I'll key up the relevant points as far as the money the U.S. government used, which you could say that was governmental bribery. 
<laughs> as far as yeah, yeah, the corruption again of the the entire government or the federal government of the U.S. involved in ousting a legitimate democratically elected government in Ukraine. Since Ukraine's independence in 1991, the United States has supported Ukrainians as they build democratic skills and institutions, as they promote civic participation and good governance, all of which are preconditions for Ukraine to achieve its European aspirations. We've invested over $5 billion to assist Ukraine in these and other goals that will ensure a secure and prosperous and democratic Ukraine. You catch that? The U.S., she said in broad daylight at this symposium, standing behind a podium where you see ExxonMobil and Chevron, GE, who's was involved. In broad daylight, you know, she's saying, I think it was daylight. It might have been at night. She told the world $5 billion that the U.S. put in. Again, it had nothing to do with democracy because the color revolution undermined and caused a coup to replace a legitimate democratically elected president. So that's the background of this whole Ukrainian thing that a lot of people just ignore. This is the background. This is the geopolitical background of how dirty things were, and particularly how wicked it was that the U.S. government did that. Okay? But everything's always for democracy. But then why would you... Why do you spend five billion dollars on undermining legitimate, legitimate democratically elected government? Remember, this is what she said. Since the declaration of Ukrainian independence in 1991, the U.S. supported the Ukrainians in the development of democratic institutions and skills in promoting civil society and a good form of government. All that is necessary to achieve the objectives of Ukraine's, Ukraine's European aspirations. Okay, and that's also. That's also U.S. code code speech. That's you want to interpret that. They want to see Ukraine join NATO, and Russia has said if that happens, Russia will consider that an act of war. Why? Look on the map. Ukraine is right next to the border of Russia. During the height of the Cold War, the line of demarcation was the divided city of Berlin. How would the U.S. react if Russia caused? A revolution spent five billion dollars and caused a revolution to overthrow a government, the government of Canada or Mexico. How would the U.S. react? Victoria Newland went on to say openly, "We have invested more than five billion dollars to help Ukraine achieve these and other goals." And then Newland said, "The U.S. will continue to promote Ukraine to the future it deserves." There's a there's a Brazilian right named Pepe Escobar, and uh, he uh, he basically uh, I learned something from him. I learned something from Pepe Escobar. I've learned a lot of stuff from reading him from time to time over the years. He was writing for the Asian Times. I think he still does. There's a piece going back to 2014. And he mentioned in passing that Victoria Newland was married to neocon Robert Kagan. Okay? So here you have a high-level Obama appointee, Assistant Secretary of State for Europe and Eurasian Affairs. And she's married to Robert Kagan. Yeah, again, I guess, yeah, they're neoliberals. She doesn't use the same name and or it's designed to confuse people. Who's Kagan? Uh, we go to the Brookings Institution website. 
Brookings Institutions and nonprofit public policy organizations based in Washington, D.C. Our mission is to conduct in-depth research that leads to new ideas for solving problems facing society at the local, national, and global level. Robert Kagan is a Stephen and Barbara Friedman Senior Fellow with the Project on International Order and Strategy and Foreign Policy Program at Brookings. For his writings, Politico named Kagan one of the Politico 50 in 2016, the thinkers, doers, and visionaries transforming American politics in 2016. Okay. His most recent pieces include The Twilight of the Liberal World Order and Brookings' Big Ideas for America and Backing into World War III in Foreign Policy. Now, here, here's, here's the interesting part, really interesting part. Uh, Kagan served in the State Department from 1984 to 1988. Okay. Do you remember recent American history? That was under Ronald Reagan's administration. So he serves in the State Department from 84 to 88 under Reagan. And then his wife, who yeah, helped engineer the coup d'etat in Ukraine, was Assistant Secretary of State for Europe and Eurasian Affairs under Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barry Satoro. See, all I, this is stuff they just don't report in the mainstream media. Again, I had a find out about this through Pepe Escobar. <laughs> uh, so it, it, it's amazing, but it's all out there. Uh, Robert Kagan was also a member of the policy planning staff, and he was principal speechwriter for Secretary of State George Schultz under Reagan and a deputy, deputy for policy in the Bureau of Inter-American Affairs. Okay. His affiliation is now foreign, poli foreign policy initiative board member, Lee Speaker's Bureau Speaker, Washington Post, multi-columnist, CIA's favorite newspaper, Washington Compost, Working Group on Egypt co-chairman. Okay, if this whole impeachment debacle, if it was real, once again, why did the House include the Draconian Patriot Act powers? Why would they give those powers to a president if they actually thought he wasn't fit to hold the office? And I mentioned, why would Nancy Pelosi officially asked Trump to deliver a State of the Union address before the Senate even considers the articles of impeachment. If they go by the working timeline, it's all going to be done, it's all going to be over before the State of the Union. See, it's all, it's all theater. It's all, it's all designed to divide and distract. So we don't think about the Patriot Act. We don't think about you know, what's 1.4, what is it, trillion, whatever. The, the money that, that's going towards the Pentagon that's more than the rest of the government. They don't want you to think about that. New York Times is, had, a great, had a great quote here. This is some good mind control. Quote, the invitation from Speaker Nancy Pelosi was notable because the president had lobbed insults at her in recent days for leading the House to approve two articles of impeachment. That uh, was notable because the president has lobbed insults at her in recent days for leading the House to approve two articles of impeachment. Well, no, it's not notable for that at all because, you know, uh, you know, Donald J. Trump lobs insults pretty frequently. Yeah, you know, I don't think he can live without Twitter, which largely exists for him to insult people, uh, friends and foes alike. But it's notable because it makes complete mockery of the impeachment. There's no integrity to the process. It's the Democrats and Pelosi in particular thought Donald J. Trump didn't deserve to be president 
why would you invite them to do that? But they know it's going to happen because it's all fake. As I already mentioned, what crimes were committed by Donald J. Trump? Okay, they say, we haven't seen him yet, but they say it's obstruction of Congress. And again, that begs the question, obstruction of what? Of Congress, in other words. In order in order, in order, in order for an impeachable offense to be a high crime or misdemeanor, can you deal with the idea of misdemeanor being fiduciary, a breach of fiduciary trust, as I mentioned from Nielsen's piece, or a high crime, a felony? How is obstructing Congress? And what, what was Trump obstructing Congress from? And what is the corruption? Particularly when Biden admitted to the world $1 billion was withheld from Ukraine at the behest of Obama because they wanted a prosecutor fired. And that prosecutor was investigating his son, Hunter Biden. That, oh, that Biden didn't conveniently mention that, that, uh, that little, that little uh, form he had there for the Council of Foreign Relations. That's, the, that's part of the real deep state incident. We talked about the CFR. Democrat or Republican, look at how many secretaries of state have been members of Council of Foreign Relations. Okay, vast majority. That's the real, that's part of the real, the real shadow government. Council on Foreign Relations members, Hillary Clinton, as well as Dick Cheney. Hillary Clinton, you probably know is a Democrat. Dick Cheney, you probably know is a Republican. That's part of the real deep state. In any case, I'm going to play this. Uh, I'm going to play a video, and this puts in context as far as uh, as far as you know what what are the real crimes? What, what, how should we look? You know, what would what would real crimes look like? In other words, what did Trump do, or what? Are there crimes out there that other presidents have committed that basically have gotten a pass on? It's about six minutes, about six and a half minutes. President Donald Trump was just impeached. And no, it was not because of the supposed Russia collusion, which is all that we've heard about over the last two years from the sold-out media, which, by the way, has proven to be false. They say it was all because of misconduct or a quid pro quo, as the media put it which allegedly occurred during a phone call between President Trump and the president of Ukraine. You know, the same Ukraine that was the victim of a bloody coup, which was carried out under the Obama administration that ousted a democratically elected government, which then installed a puppet regime. And it just so happens that all of Ukraine's gold reserves were airlifted out of the country. Yeah, that Ukraine. Now, it's not my place to tell you what to think or which side to take. I'll leave that to the shills in the media and the social engineers. It's my job to point out the ridiculous level of hypocrisy and bullshit that we are surrounded by. Now, here's an example of a quid pro quo. The perfect example, in fact, of what they're trying to impeach Trump for right now by current presidential candidate Joe Biden. In this clip, Joe Biden speaking at the Council on Foreign Relations and bragging about how he threatened that the U.S. government would withhold $1 billion of aid money, quote-unquote, from Ukraine if they did not fire a prosecutor which was investigating Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. The truth is, folks, I'm not a Trump supporter, and I have no political affiliation. I just call it as I see it. And honestly, there have been many presidents throughout history and other members of government who actually deserve to be looked at and investigated. Now, here are a few examples of actual impeachable offenses and or crimes committed by U.S. presidents. President Obama's weaponization of the IRS, illegally targeting his political opposition, here domestically, 
targeting American citizens, Obama's Fast and Furious scandal, where the U.S. was caught red-handed supplying Mexican drug cartels with thousands of military-grade weapons, which was inexplicably tied to the death of a U.S. Border Patrol agent. The Obama administration funding, training, and arming of terrorists to destabilize foreign nations to justify U.S. intervention in illegal wars abroad, completely illegal and considered to be war crimes. So with the additional steps I ordered last month, we're speeding up training of ISIL forces, including volunteers from Sunni tribes in Anbar province. President George W. Bush, who began the war on terror in response to 9-11. The war on terror has caused the deaths of countless innocent civilians, including those killed by drone strikes, not to mention these so-called enemy combatants who were brutally tortured. And there was no judge, no jury, no trial. They were just tortured, many of them killed. This absolutely defies international law and is considered a war crime. Let's put it this way. Money trumps... Um sometimes. Now, his father, George H.W. Bush, was the former head of the CIA. Now, Bush is also guilty, in my opinion, and many others, for many war crimes and human rights violations. Bush aided Reagan's efforts in aiding genocidal dictatorships in Nicaragua and Guatemala. He also helped Reagan illegally sell arms to Iran. He helped Reagan support Iraq, and then later did a 360 and invaded the country. Thousands of civilians were killed, and vital infrastructure was destroyed. War criminal. Lyndon B. Johnson expanded the Vietnam War, which ultimately killed millions of people. Many, many of them were civilians, and a lot of these deaths included chemical weapons. That country and its people are still being affected today from the Vietnam War. Not a phone call. President Ronald Reagan illegally sold weapons to Iran, and he secretly supported Iraq. In addition to funding brutal South American dictatorships in order to prevent the flow of communism, supposedly. On top of all that, Reagan actually was charged for war crimes. He was just never prosecuted. President Bill Clinton placed crippling sanctions on Iraq, which was estimated to kill around half a million Iraqi children. He also continued Bush's policies of indiscriminately bombing Iraq, including the bombing of hospitals. Bill Clinton is a war criminal and should be prosecuted. And then there's President Truman, who dropped two atomic bombs on Japan, killing hundreds of thousands of innocent civilians. Two cities full of innocent men, women, and children, just like you and I and our families, were targeted. Nagasaki and Hiroshima. These were not military targets. They were civilian. This attack, like all of these others, were sold to the people and justified by the media, based on lies. Just like Iraq's WMD lies that launched the never-ending wars in the Middle East. Wars which continue till this day and continue to kill indiscriminately each day. Innocent lives lost and we're worried about a phone call? Illegal invasions, drone strikes, regime change, proxy wars, crippling economic sanctions, domestic surveillance, war crimes, and mass murder by government, also known as democide, which is the biggest killer in history, have now become the legacy of the U.S. government. A legacy paid for with U.S. tax dollars. That means you and I are partially responsible. That means you and I have blood on our hands. Yet Congress, the Senate, and the people have largely remained silent for decades, remained silent from administration to administration. I think that most Americans would be shocked if they knew that their government was responsible and had caused the deaths of 20 to 13 million people since World War II, a level of carnage approaching that of Adolf Hitler himself. 
Now, in comparison to the millions of innocent lives lost by illegal wars, cloaked in the name of democracy, this current Trump impeachment, in my view, holds no merit and is nothing more than a desperate attempt to distract and divide the U.S. even more, while major moves are taking place behind the scenes as we speak. Ultimately, it is up to us, it is up to you, the individual, it is up to the American people, the people from around the world, to hold your governments accountable. And let me tell you something, this is the one thing that keeps them up at night. It's all of you out there right now looking behind the curtain. It's a good video. That was an uh, independent, uh, independent activist, Spiro One. You want to check his YouTube channel, Spiro, Spiro One. Uh, I think uh, for the most part, uh, he nailed it. Uh, I would have done, would have said a little bit more, a little bit different. I would have mentioned when uh, he talked about Obama's program when you had uh, guns walking into Mexico, Fast and Furious. That started under, uh, started under W, started under Bush. And then Obama, with the criminal Eric Holder, expanded it. But, yeah, I was already there because uh, it's all designed, as he said, to divide and distract. As always, D.C. politics is all theater. As Gerald Salente would say, uh, politics is acting for ugly people. The mainstream or legacy media is an engineered social construct designed to divide and distract to support the fake left versus right paradigm, Democrats versus Republicans, liberal versus conservative. Certain things never change. They want us to have endless debate within the parameters they control, but no debate, no discussion about what, what they don't want you about uh, the things that really matter, like the privately owned Federal Reserve, the fact that the currency and credit of the United States government is controlled by a privately owned banking cartel. Founders of this country had warned against that. They don't want to talk about the fact that the spending for the Pentagon is more than the rest of the government combined. For what? They don't want to talk about the fact that it is, it's complete mind control to say we have the Department of Defense. The United States never stopped fighting after World War II, the United States government. It's the Department of War. They just changed the name to defense. So this is what it's all about. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen in the Senate, but I do know the outcome. Uh, Trump's not going to get removed from office. They knew that, and again, that's why, that's why uh, they've given him the authorization. That's why they reauthorized the Patriot Act for him to continue the dictatorial powers they want him to have. The Democrats as well as the Republicans. The Republicans voted against that. That was a, that was a token vote. Uh, you never see, you never see the House by vast majority. You, you're just not going to see them ultimately kill the Patriot Act. They want that power. They they, they want to transform us. Democrats, Republicans, those in power, they want to transform the U.S. into a police state, which has been going on instantly post-World War II. That's what's been going on in the country. If it was real again, uh, Pelosi wouldn't invite Trump to give the State of the Union address if she thought he was not qualified to be president, uh, if he shouldn't be president. So always remember, when something goes on, particularly if the mainstream media won't let it die, don't just look at the story. Think, why are they, why do they want me to focus on this? And once again, it's always division and distraction, so you don't look at the real issues. You've been listening to KRP Radio Show, Keeping Real with Pudgy Miller. This is last Friday night, the last Friday night of the month, with your guest host, Rocco T. And this was the last Friday of the year. I do hope to be back next year, which will be next month. In the calendar, that will be the last Friday night of the month, 
which is the last day of the month, which is the 31st. Thank you for listening to KRP Radio Show. Hope to see you later. KRP Radio!